1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 974 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, June the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have... Tons of stuff for you covering the Big Four sports. The Stanley Cup Final starts tonight. You can go and uh, listen to Locked On Lightning and Locked On Canadiens to get the lowdown on that. Of course, the NBA playoffs continue to go on strong. Baseball season's in full swing and uh, much more. So please go subscribe to, rate, review, support all the shows on the network that are covering the teams that you like and that you care about. All right. On today's show, we are beginning a four-day odyssey looking at some of the top prospects in the Raptors range in this year's draft. Of course, your Toronto Raptors pick number fourth in case you missed the news last week. Pick number fourth. That's not a sentence, but whatever. Uh, They're going to pick fourth. And there are a lot of guys in the conversation, namely Jalen Green, uh, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and Jonathan Kaminga as well. And uh, to help me learn a bit more about these guys, I have some wonderful guests this week to dive in, people who have watched these players in the flesh and have far more intelligence and knowledge than I do. And so we're going to try to get to know these four guys this week with people who are plugged in and in the know. Today, we're going to start with Jalen Green. Tomorrow, Jonathan Kaminga. On Thursday, we're going to talk about Evan Mobley with Cindy Robinson of Locked On Pac-12. And then on Friday, we've got uh, Stephen Carr of Locked On Zags to talk about Jalen Suggs. But our guest today to talk about, and he's actually going to be the guest for today and tomorrow as we dig into two guys who played as teammates for the G League Ignite in the G League bubble this year, talking Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga with Dakota Schmidt of Ridiculous Upside. Dakota, how's it going, man?
0: I am doing good, and I'm um, absolutely honored to be uh, part of the week of Raptors Prospects, where I'm going to talk about one half of the <laughs> Jalens that are going to be in the range for the Raptors, and what, uh, one of the Jalens that Raptors fans are probably going to be obsessing about uh, oh, yeah. over the next few weeks, and potentially <laughs> over the next uh, few years.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, everyone has their favorites. Everyone gets locked in and, you know, sort of entrenches a position. I'm officially in the position of, I have no idea who, the, who I want the Raptors to take right now. I lean certain ways based on the way the sun rises in the morning and the way I slept the night prior, uh, but I really don't have a firm opinion just yet, and this next month is going to be about solidifying that opinion before coming up with who I actually want the Raptors to take. Uh, The nice thing about this draft is that there's lots of very good players, and you're not really going to go wrong, it seems, and most of them seem to fit quite well with the Raptors. And so yes, today we're going to talk about Jalen Green, who I think right now, if you were forcing me to say who I want the Raptors to take, of course it depends on who the teams ahead of the Raptors take in the draft, but if I had my druthers, Jalen Green would be my pick right now, but again, not a firm stand and we're going to talk about him today tomorrow once again with Dakota we're going to talk about Jonathan Kaminga who I'm extremely intrigued by and who I think the Raptors might be the sort of team to be intrigued by as well so we'll get to Jonathan Kaminga tomorrow but today it's all about Jalen Green we're going to dig into his season in the G League bubble we'll talk about strengths weaknesses the fit with the Raptors all that good stuff Dakota let's start here how about this You watched the G League bubble this year, of course. Um, You know, it was very fun. It was fast. It was uh, competitive. The talent in the league was pretty stacked because there were fewer teams and sort of more... you know, sorry, fewer sort of positions to to go around. And so you kind of got the cream rising to the top. And the G League Knight, of course, was there as well with Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga. I think Daisha Nix was part of that team. Also, Amir yep. Johnson, the king, Jarrett Jack, the king, two former Raptors <laughs> legends, part of that team as well. I guess the first question here before we dive into Jalen Green as a prospect is what did you find... Or how did you find the G League bubble in terms of just like a way to evaluate these guys, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga in particular? Like, did you find you were able to actually kind of draw conclusions from their play? Was it too small a sample? Was it a strange sort of environment where they're playing in circumstances that aren't really going to mirror what they're going to be in in the NBA? What was your overall view of the G League bubble and how it sort of lended itself to player evaluation?
0: Um. I I think it was definitely too small of a sample size to have a full evaluation because you sure. know um John Green he played six, 16 games, Josh Mingo only played uh 13 so that isn't much of a sample size but when it comes to the level of competition I agree about it being extremely high the the rosters in in the sense of like the G League in past seasons they were you know absolutely stacked so mm-hmm. Uh, these Ignite prospects were going against extremely solid competition on a night by night basis, which I think better prepares them for uh, what they're going to be, you know, um, who they're going to be going against, you know, when they, you know, go
1: to the NBA, um, you know, during the upcoming uh, season. Sure, sure. Um, So just to review what Jalen Green did in the bubble for the G League night, 15 games played, started them all, 17.9 points, 4.1 boards, 2.8 assists, 1.5 steals, which is pretty nice, Uh, averaged 2.7 turnovers as well, shot 36.5% from three, 53% on twos, 46% overall, 83% from the line as well, Uh, good for a 61.3 true shooting percentage, not bad at all. For Jalen Green, who, as I said off the top, as of right now, I think he is the guy I am most hoping falls to the Raptors. And mostly, it's due to a sort of question of need for the Raptors. It is, you know, no secret that the half-court offense for the team has not been awesome the last couple years since losing Kawhi Leonard. Having someone who could kind of push... Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred VanVleet down the ladder of responsibility, one rung each, I think would be a pretty good thing to add to this team. That's not to say it's going to happen from day one, but in a couple years, if you can have a guy sort of ascend to that number one offensive role on the team, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape if you're the Raptors. And Jalen Green profiles as the guy who most will be able to sort of inject life into a half-court offense. Uh, What were your overall impressions of Jalen Green's offensive repertoire in the G League bubble? Dakota, um,
0: I found it to be extremely solid to the point where, um, I when I was making my um my list for finalists for each award, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, demon Player of the Year. Sure. Um, I thought hot, hard about Jalen Green being a finalist for MVP because of how solid he was, um, on the office And you know, obviously, if he if you've known about Jalen Green uh four years because he's been um on the radar since for years you know since his like starting nine you know, high yeah. school hoops <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. S- starting high school hoops but his his quickness his athleticism his burst is is incredible and the fact that his shot is just coming along a little bit like he shot thirty six percent um for three which um compared to how what he was in high school and just the just the um switch up to you know you know and um nba range mm-hmm. nba rules and limited sample size that really doesn't give you you know much time to you know get adjusted um i thought that thought that to be incredibly solid and um and that's despite the fact that there are clear uh growth areas sure when it comes to uh green on yavata and for example his his handle is not amazing and he's still he's still progressing as a you know facilitator
1: yeah yeah that's um The thing that kind of stands out when you kind of watch the tape is he does sort of get, I don't want to say tunnel vision necessarily. It's more like, I can do this better than you, so I'm just going to do it type of energy. (laughs) Like, it's, you know, why would I pass when I can just go up and dunk on someone's head? Uh, And he's also got really, really, like, excellent finishes around the basket as well. And the thing that really stands out to me is just the separation he creates. Like, oh, his yeah. step back, it's like, oh, there's like two meters of space now that he's created just because he's able to step back so athletically and so deftly, you know, he can do it, like, from the mid-range and just like, oh, boom, he's behind the three-point line and he's bombing a three on your head. Like, it's it's really, really an impressive offensive repertoire for a guy who is still a teenager. And yeah, I, I think, you know, we often get so sort of hung up on, you know, oh, like they don't have this, this, and this as part of their game. And I guess the thing I kind of look at when digging into prospects like sort of my philosophy and I should again couch everything I say I'm a, I'm a dummy when it comes to evaluating prospects this is not my wheelhouse I don't watch college basketball very much it's a lot of sort of cramming near the end and it's sort of drawing my own conclusions based on what smart people are saying as well but what I like to do is sort of think about what does a guy look like in the strengths video like you you see this all the time right yeah. on youtube you go and like yes. look up like strengths versus weaknesses and What does a guy look like in the strengths video? What are the things he's doing really well? And how does he look? What does he profile as as an NBA player? If in a world where those are the only things he does, he doesn't have the weakness video kind of tied to him. And Jalen Green, in his strengths videos, look freaking amazing. It looks freaking amazing. Like, he's just, he's so athletic. He's so crafty. He has the pull-up game, obviously. He's a complete three-level scorer already. And then you dig into the weaknesses, and you kind of—I ask myself the question: Is that something that can be worked on? And if it's a thing where it's like, "Oh yeah, the turnovers are rough because the handle's not so great," or the spot-up shooting isn't awesome, but the three—you the, know—the free throw percentage is there, maybe as an indicator it's going to be okay. That's the kind of thing that doesn't scare me if I'm evaluating a prospect, and I think, "Oh, that's something that they that can be fixed." Particularly, that's something I think the Raptors' development staff can fix. When it comes to other things, like, oh, the motor's not very high, or the basketball IQ is very low, that stuff, that, that kind of sits with me a little bit more, and I think, okay, maybe that's not really something you can address. Again, this is my methodology, I'm not saying anyone else has to follow it, but that's kind of how I look at things. And with Green, like I said, the strengths videos are incredible, and the weakness videos are like okay, maybe he's not like a a hugely strong defender right now. He can kind of guard ones and twos, can't really guard up in terms of size. But A, does it really matter if he's giving you that much offensive production? And B... I, I, you know, is that that's something where he just like puts on a few extra pounds, becomes stronger as he becomes not a teenager and that becomes not so much of a concern. So that's kind of my read right now on Jalen Green is I think the strengths are so clearly obvious and the weaknesses feel like things that can be worked on, which I'm a little bit less sure with the guy we'll talk about tomorrow in Jonathan Kaminga. Dakota, I want to dive into the sort of idea of Jalen Green and sort of why this postseason run might really be telling as to why he's kind of seemingly in that number two spot pretty comfortably on most boards right now. Uh, We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Michelob Ultra with the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Yes, it's very exciting stuff. Michelob Ultra is back again, once again, and they are bringing joy, happiness and enjoyment to your watching of the playoffs to your everyday life, you return to patios, whatever it might be. And this week, brought to you by Michelob Ultra, our player of the week is it's hard to say the raptors haven't done much they're not really playing right now and there's not really anything going on so my player of the week is going to be amorphous uh undetermined tbd pick number four uh yeah it's just a draft pick right now is this is sam Presti stuff at its finest uh declaring a draft pick to have humid qualities and so yeah number four is what's bringing you joy happiness enjoyment if you're a raptors fan this week so the fourth overall pick and whoever that becomes is your michelob ultra player of the week it's only worth it to if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs at 95 calories joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game with Michelob Ultra and with the fourth overall pick for your Toronto Raptors so congrats to the person who will one day become the fourth overall pick for becoming the Michelob Ultra player of the week We're going to continue on here and dive into Jalen Green a little bit more, uh, but first, just a reminder that the road to the NBA Finals is brought to you as well by our friends over at Michelob Ultra. They are bringing you excitement and happiness with just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the playoff games a little bit more this season. Go listen to Locked On Suns, Locked On Bucks, Locked On Clippers, and Locked On Hawks to get the lowdown on. The team's still making the road to the Finals. Or making their road on the road. Whatever they're doing to the road to the Finals, they're there and they're being covered and they're brought to you by Michelob Ultra. All right, Dakota, let's continue on here with Jalen Green. Before the break, we were kind of talking about Jalen Green's offensive skills, and I-, I think this playoff run is going to be really informative of the draft to come and sort of I think was has been the proving point that maybe offense has kind of surpassed defense in terms of its importance and sort of its determination of who's going to win games. Maybe this is a short-lived thing. Maybe there are rule changes that sort of bring things back to earth a little bit, and it's not so much the case. And defense becomes back in vogue. But as it stands right now, you know the the court's not changing dimensions. It seems. It seems like it's going to still mm-hmm. be a pretty fruitful environment for offensive players. And that's part of the reason I'm really infatuated by Jalen Green. He just feels like the kind of guy who can get you a bucket, who can help keep a half-court offense afloat. You know, you've been watching these playoffs as well, Dakota. Are you kind of in that same boat where a guy like Green maybe a few months ago wouldn't have looked like such a, a home run pick? But considering what's valued right now, looking at the success of Trey Young and Devin Booker and others, like, are you kind of thinking, okay, maybe Jalen Green is just the obvious pick here because of the offensive tools he brings? Uh
0: yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, when I look at you know, when I look at, you know, what a guy like Devin Booker and you know, as a Bucks fan, unfortunately, what Trey Young <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, did in in Game One when it comes to utilizing the space to to you know really showcase their full um, you know offense game and you know high pick and rolls, which you know you know creates obviously creates a more you know open and uh, spread out environment, which you know allows which would allow uh, a player like uh, Jalen Green to really uh, utilize his strengths. Uh, to the fullest so yeah the uh watching the playoffs and saying hey you know uh offense uh you know uh guard play is extremely important to um how teams are run uh right now and you know obviously um as we're going to talk more about uh
1: Jaylen green's working enough and i feel like uh, he'd be a you know great fit for that Yeah, I mean, the fit with the Raptors, I think, is basically seamless. And this is the nice position the Raptors are in. I think any one of Mobley, Suggs, Green, who are kind of the consensus two, three, four guys right now, are all wonderful fits with the Raptors and kind of address needs immediately. Uh, You know, Kaminga less so, but we'll get to that tomorrow. Um, In terms of the fit with the Raptors, it just... I really, really like it, man. It's just, you know, this probably assumes Kyle Lowry's gone somewhere. Maybe there's a sign-and-trade going on. And, you know, they kind of realize, okay, their backcourt of the future is Fred VanVleet, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trenton, and Jalen Green. And you kind of go forward with that. Green slotting in with Fred, with Ananobi, with Pascal Siakam, it just... Everything kind of makes sense. On defense, it works because Green can hide. Um, I was watching back the video our friend Robel did, the scouting video we did on Jalen Green, and he's kind of pointed out the best thing Jalen Green does on defense is kind of navigate screens and sort of slither around mm-hmm. and keep up with guys, and that would yeah. work perfectly. You have two incredible on-ball defenders in Siakam and OG. Fred VanVleet's damn good in that that regard as well. If you kind of have Jalen Green necessarily kind of hiding, I guess, off ball on like a shooter, whatever it might be, That's kind of a great way to maximize what he currently does well. Also, on the offensive side, like I kind of talked about off the top, You know, we know the Van Vliet and an OBC Occam core is a little bit prone to rough stretches in the half court. It's been the story for the last couple years. They basically only get saved when Kyle Lowry decides, all right, I'm going to go score and ram my ass into Daniel Tice's legs and uh, move him out of the way. And I'm going to score our buckets now. That's not really how you want to go about it. If you can have a six foot six wing with a pretty deep bag of tricks doing that instead, that sounds kind of preferable. Dakota, I mean, you're familiar with the Raptors. Uh, yes, that's sort of a 2019 uh, <laughs> reference uh, oh, as a Bucks yeah. fan. Uh, obviously, a very, very different team. Since uh, don't then, remind me. Bucs fans have plenty of reason to be happy right now. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that it doesn't hurt so much. But, um, you know, yeah. in terms of the way Jalen Green would fit into the Raptors, as you know them, do you agree with me that the fit's kind of, like, obvious and seamless? Uh,
0: yeah, especially with the fact that... Um, as it is right now, Jalen Green is somebody that's gonna you know work to develop to become more of a secondary uh, facilitator, sure. which which would work you know with the Raptors when they have you know uh, Vleet and you know Ma- Malachi Flynn that have shown their uh, an ability to 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 control an offense, mm-hmm. work as a facilitator. More so with uh, Flynn at the G League level, I was actually really impressed with what I saw of him uh when he was with the Raptors on a five in the G-League bubble. Uh but him Jill Green, you know, working um off all of which, you know, him with this explosiveness as a cutter, uh, c- could create a lot of fun opportunities. But also um, you know, him uh Green working wor- working in the corner and just immediately after getting the ball just bursting uh, to the rim would uh, would just be extremely, <laughs> extremely fun. And I think, um, you know, like you said, with the way that the Raptors rotation is, um, even even if uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, leaves, which, you know, it's uh, unfortunately for, you know, Raptors fans, you know, I feel like uh, the chances that are him leaving are unfortunately more than him uh, staying sure. is... Uh, Would still allow Dylan Green to be a uh, great fit for um for the Raptors.
1: Yeah, and I just think you know with the playmaking that Pascal Siakam exhibited this past year, the sort of leveling up he did there, um, with OG kind of becoming a little bit more of a guy who can have the ball in his hands. Fred VanVleet, obviously, we know kind of really kind of rounded into form last year as a pick and roll operator. As much as his scoring at the rim still wasn't great, he's still great at getting to the basket. Was you know top of the league, near the top of the league in drives, also near the top of the league in passing. Out of said drives. And if you have a spot up threat like Jalen Green, who didn't shoot terribly well on spot-ups this year, if I recall, Um, but, you know, and I think as Robel in that video I I watched earlier today um, sort of pointed out, he's a bit hesitant when it comes to taking catch-and-shoot threes, way less so when it comes to pull-up threes, which is kind of a weird inverse of what you'd expect, but, um, you know, still, with the bounce that he has, it kind of feels almost like a supercharged Norman Powell situation with Jalen Green in a lot of ways, not to, again, uh, poke Buck's wounds, but, um, you know, that that kind of feels like the element you could have from day one with Jalen Green And then as things go along, years progress, he can kind of level up in terms of how often he's running the offense. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago with Raphael Barlow when he was on the show, Jalen Green wouldn't have to assume... Uh, you know a high burdensome role right away with the Raptors because of all the the sort of institutional uh, knowledge and playmaking that already exists there so yeah I'm very much head over heels about this fit potentially and it's Mm -hmm. as it stands right now my number one dream on draft night is for that to happen for the Raptors I do want to get into some of the Jalen Green drawbacks though and some weaknesses that might have exposed themselves in the G League bubble Maybe there's not many. Of course, you mentioned you were going to have him on your potential ballot for MVP. So maybe there's not that much to, <laughs> to to dig into here, but we will dig into it in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Also, you've got the Stanley Cup Finals going on. The NBA playoffs are heating up and getting into finals territory. You've got UFC and MMA, Wimbledon, the Euros. There's a million things on Bet Online for you to go bet on. Even uh, like international basketball. Team Canada is playing in uh, in Victoria this week. I bet you can bet on that as well. Before the next pitch, tip off. Face off, whatever it is, go to BetOnline on your laptop mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on, all one word. That's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com with the ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, and when they do stock them, they're probably charging you way more than you should, 30, 50, even 100% more than what the price would be if you went to... Of course, our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer, whether you're you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, and they have everything you might need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. If you've spilled some stuff on your carpets, if you're a monster who eats in your car, no eating in Sean's car. It's very, very uh, frowned upon. Anyway... We encourage you uh, to head over to rockauto.com. Explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution to your auto parts needs today. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Dakota. So Jalen Green, we've talked glowingly about him for two segments. It's a draft podcast, so we have to look at the weaknesses as well and kind of dig into that side of things. For you... When you were watching Green in the G League bubble, did anything stand out to you in particular as a thing that kind of gave you pause about him as an NBA prospect? Um,
0: defending like defending off ball, defending, you know, in space, uh, was an issue that I noticed of him. And also, um he, like we talk about his like his extreme strengths when it comes to you know his purse and what he can do with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. I also feel like sometimes that became an issue with him because I feel like, you know, how, you know, uh, young people think like they can young people general, not just young, young, (laughs) you know, basketball players. They think they, they, they think they're unstoppable and they can, you know do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like when Um, I'm like I "I can eat
1: Taco Bell on a Friday night at midnight and then get it again the next night. Yeah, I'm fine for sure.
0: (laughs) Or I could feel like a I I feel like I can eat a whole uh whole uh pepperoni pizza and not deal with the consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Uh it was kind of like that when it comes to uh sometimes with uh John Green and his uh shots shots uh selection. Sure. Um but I feel like um in the nba level where he has more options um you know around him and he's has an ability to you know adapt over the course of a season which you know he obviously wasn't able to do like the delight ignite play 15 games in regular season and then uh lost in 905 um in the playoffs damn shout out to Alice a johnson who uh dealt uh who unfortunately dealt with uh Jalen green step back uh during the uh, G League season so alice A. johnson knows all about what Jalen green can do with the ball in the sand so we're, we're dealing we're talking 905 and uh and green in one podcast which makes me extremely happy um but yeah defending in space um uh right now i feel like like you mentioned earlier, Jalen Green, um, even though he's you know he has good size, you know a six five guard, um, I'm only comfortable him defending ones and twos because he doesn't have much in terms of strength. Even though he 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 he, he can fit finish in traffic, but when it comes to his work on defense end and uh uh fighting fighting through screens, um is uh is an ish a little bit of an issue with him and, Mm -hmm. you know, defending off ball is also an issue uh, with him. I I don't like personally, I don't like using the term weaknesses, especially when it comes to 18, 19 year old players, because, (laughs) you know, they're still extremely young and still, you know, kind of learning how to, um, how to play the game of basketball. So I, I like to actually say growth areas. Yeah. Um, I feel like you might've been able to notice that so far, but in terms of growth areas, um. Progressing more to become a secondary uh, facilitator, which he showed, you know, signs of, like there are some great highlights of him being able to, you know, utilize screens to like, uh, it's called pass manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, When it comes to, I guess, creating, creating time and, you know, forcing, forcing off all defenders to focus on you rather than the role man. Sure. He was able to do that, which makes me excited about what he can do with uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah. And also um him being able to uh dish off while on the move, which always is extremely fun. That's my favorite uh kind of passing. So he showed signs of that, but I want to see uh more of him. So in conclusion, uh improving as a secondary facilitator, uh defending um in space
1: and uh shot uh selection. Yeah, that's uh those are all good points. And I think all those things Feel like things, and look, maybe this is just hubris from, you know, years of the Raptors doing good things developmentally with players, but... Those are the kinds of things I was talking about earlier when I'm thinking about areas that can be improved just by, you know, a strong player development system. Those feel like things that are easily addressed, right? Like the the passing, the secondary playmaking, that feels like more than anything like a reps thing, honestly. Like if you kind of are in a team and you're sort of comfortable and you kind of know the beats of where your guys are going to be, that stuff gets easier. and. You know, there are some, you know, you mentioned some of the nice passing highlights he has, you know, some of the stuff on the move, some of the pick and roll stuff. Also, some of the just like the disgusting like passes to like dump offs on big like to bigs and stuff like mm-hmm. that are cutters on the baseline. Like the vision there is pretty nice. And I mean, the Raptors already have quite a bit of that in their bag with OG cutting baseline and Pascal finding him and stuff like that. So adding another guy who can make those reads is pretty exciting to me. You know, in terms of the shot selection, I mean, the Raptors famously, like, uh, have, like, a scoring system in training camp where uh, mid-range shots get deducted points, and so, you know, they, they, I think, really focus on shot selection, almost, I think, to their detriment sometimes because they kind of iron out the mid-range from so many guys' games that, you know, you kind of need that, especially in the postseason. I would hope that with a guy like Green, who does profile as a three-level scorer, they wouldn't kind of push him away from the mid-range it'd more than just be like all right here are the smart mid-range shots to take as opposed to just taking anyone that presents it, presents itself so there's that and then on the defensive side of things yeah i think if there's a reason the raptors don't take green i think it's that he doesn't really seem like a nick nurse type defender and you know that that's totally fair at the same time i feel like there needs to be a bit of uh, growth and understanding from the yeah. Raptors side of things too that maybe they're never going to achieve that 2019-2020 defense where they were just this perfect machine where every player on it was a defensive uh, savant and they could yeah. run any scheme they wanted every time down the floor that might be something mm-hmm. unattainable and so how do you balance out maybe having a lesser defense? It's probably by having a guy who can carry your half-court offense within a couple of years. And to me, that's why Green still kind of stands out. So none of those weaknesses really turn me away, honestly. I mean, it all feels like stuff that's that can be worked on. And like you said, it's not weaknesses necessarily. It's growth and improvement areas that um, you know a, a good development staff will see and say, hey, you know, we see the same things. We're going to work on you with that. And we're going to try to make you the best player possible. And I don't know. It's... I'm in sort of this bubble where I look at the Raptors' development staff, and I'm like, yeah, they can turn anything into anything. They can make lemons out of, uh, like, orange. Lemonade out of oranges. Like, they can do whatever the hell they want. Huh? From... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> From the outside, when you're looking at the Raptors' <laughs> development staff, Dakota, and I know you're a big fan of the 905 and the and the way they operate things. Like, yeah, do you have a similar level of belief that the Raptors' development staff can kind of take any prospect? And maybe going one further, are you scared at all that the Raptors' development staff is about to get their hands on a top four pick?
0: Um, I don't, I don't think they're they're going to be able to turn eleven. 11- Oranges into lemons because that's uh, I feel like that's a puzzle because they're two separate uh separate kinds same of, uh, family food. same
1: family they can Is make it, it work I, I guess I guess like can he can he turn apples into bananas Yeah why not can he turn uh grapes into pears They turned Pascal Siakam into a second team All NBA player so yeah I'm gonna say they yes, can say did. yeah <laughs>
0: okay uh, and also I I kind of I kind of grow when you uh, brought up the 2019 Raptors I um I like it them um, in terms of you know watching them and how their defense worked but unfortunately their defense ran into uh, my Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, so I <laughs> I have mixed of feelings about that uh about the team but in terms like in terms of the way the Raptors organization is in terms of developing talent it's it's made them comfortable with not having a lottery pick. Yeah. Um like they can they can develop anybody. They can you know turn Norman Powell into you know what Norm Norm Powell is, they can turn um, Malachi Flynn into you know what you know Raptors fans you know saw of him late in the season. They can you know obviously turn Pascal Siakam into you know an All Star, All NBA guy. So what they were able to do with those uh you know those players, also obviously Fran Fan you yeah. know undrafted player, and you know is now looked at as you know the point guard of the future for the team so um what they were able to do with uh those players and now that they have a top four pick and there is a good chance that they're gonna have somebody with jalen green's physical tools Mm -hmm. and um how he how jalen green has already developed as you know an off the dribble threat off the dribble shooter it scares me. Yeah. Um <laughs> am I am I gonna have some sleepless nights thinking about what uh dealing greens can look like uh you know, not just next season but two, three, four years on the line? Absolutely. Am I gonna <laughs> am I gonna be talking to a therapist about it? Absolutely.
1: Uh well put, man. Um yeah. I mean green is very, very tantalizing. And the guy we're going to talk about tomorrow, I think, you know, there might be some more questions in terms of how the Raptors could kind of mold him and sort of work on the areas that need work and are they even workable areas. But with Green, I- I'm pretty sold in a lot of ways that, you know, he's the pick if he's there at four. Of course, He might not be there at four. The Cavs might take him and flip Colin Sexton somewhere and say, you know, we're not going to not take Jalen Green because we have Colin Sexton on our team. We're going to take Jalen Green. Maybe they take Mobley. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. I, I... frankly have no clue how those two three four spots are going to go i don't think anyone does right now and anyone saying they do is lying so um we'll see how it goes but as it stands right now and we have plenty of prospect digging to do over the next month and this could change but as it stands right now green's my favorite guy there but uh i can be convinced otherwise uh going forward and we will go forward tomorrow when we talk about jonathan kaminga before we wrap up uh i'm going to have you do this twice dakota because you're on two two episodes of the podcast uh do you have anything you want to plug
0: uh, yeah, uh, at Dakota D A K O T A underscore Schmidt S E H M I D T on Twitter at uh R I D I C Upside on Twitter, ridiculousupside.com. I am continuing to look at potential uh um undrafted players, right. um, UDFAs that we you know we could be seeing in the G League next season. Also, I am You know, we've been talking about the Geo Ignite. There's going to be a new batch of prospects that are going to be with the Ignite next season. And I've started to uh, look at those uh, prospects. Uh, uh, One of those prospects has one of the best names to actually say. And that is uh, most enjoyable name. Fun names saying that is Scoota Henderson. Oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> <Scoota>? <laughs> so uh good. You're going to be hearing a lot of Scoota Henderson over the next two years, because actually he should be a senior in high school. So he's going to be with the Geolig Ignite for two seasons, Ooh. which is going to be extremely fun. So, so yeah, um, I'm going to be talking about the um, uh, incoming Ignite players on both uh, my personal account and ridiculous up the ridiculous upside to our account, and you know potential articles on ridiculous upside, along with uh, potential undrafted uh, two-way prospects. That you know one of those guys, the Raptors are probably going to turn into another All-Star, All-NBA guy <laughs> because you know that's what the Raptors do. So, uh, so yeah, they uh, that's all uh, my all my
1: plugs. Awesome. They do have two second-round picks uh, this year, which boy, I'm excited to see. What happens there is it feels like, uh, you know, you give them two shots in the second round. You, they're going to hit 50%, you would think. 500, I guess, is what they're hitting if we're going the baseball analogy. Either way, uh, we'll surely dig into second round, guys, as the month progresses as well. Dakota, it was lovely chatting. We'll chat again tomorrow. I mean, we'll, in real time, we're chatting in uh, two minutes as we record this in a batch yes. fashion. But uh, it was lovely uh, talking about green with you. We'll talk coming tomorrow. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Shawn Subscribe to, rate, review, support the podcast. It's very much appreciated. Go listen to Monday's episode – where Katie and I dove into Ben Simmons and did a little thought exercise of if the Raptors could potentially be a home for Ben Simmons and maybe kind of work on what ails him, growth areas, baby. Uh, So listen to that on Monday. And again, Kaminga talk tomorrow with our pal Dakota. We've got Evan Mobley talk and uh, Jalen Suggs talk coming up later in the week as well with a couple of our wonderful Locked On college Hosts. Uh, until then, though, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.